I help pair one volunteer with one senior and those two people meet regularly. So a relationship is formed with someone of a different generation. So you have that other person in your life and these seniors sometimes don't have anyone. Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing, with your host, Amy Woods Butler. Hi guys, Amy here. This is the show for life story professionals. We create books, videos, audios, and more for clients who want to record their life story so they can share it with their family and friends, with their kids and their grandkids. Today, I'm happy to welcome Brittany Bear onto the show. First, a quick intro. Brittany studied art history in college and worked in advertising in New York City and in London, but she gave all that up when she realized what she really wanted to do, which was to help people record their life stories. She founded My Life, My Stories, and she is now based in San Francisco, where she helps seniors from underrepresented populations document their stories. And the twist is that My Life, My Stories is a 501c3. It's a not-for-profit. And the seniors, they're interviewed and their stories turned into a book at no cost to them. Brittany, welcome to the show. Thanks, Amy. I'm excited to be here. Good. I'm so happy to have you on because I'm just really curious. I'm curious about a lot of things, especially the fact that you are running a not-for-profit. So I have lots of questions for you about that, about your organization. But can you start by telling us how you discovered that this was what you wanted to do to help people preserve their stories? Yeah. So it sounds like I have a similar story uh, compared to others in the industry, but I was working uh, 70-plus hours a week in London, uh, being very miserable in life uh, and not really enjoying what I was doing at the time. And uh, I decided to quit my job, uh, move back to uh, Ohio, which is where I was born and raised and where my parents still live. So I was a late 20-something-year-old <laughs> living with my parents, unemployed. And uh, while I was searching for a new job, I uh, got to spend a lot of time with my grandmother. Her name's Graham. And uh, over those meetings that I spent with her, I never really spent time with her outside of holidays. So having this special time uh, allowed me to get to know her much more than I ever had in my entire life. And through those meetings, she gave me autobiographies written by her parents, my great-grandparents, who... I either never met or had met when I was very young, so I I never knew them as people. So as I was reading the stories about, especially my great-grandfather, he fought in World War II. He started the first Women's Army Corps. He was a professor at various universities around the country, very a published person in the education world. And, you know, I never really knew this about my family history before. So it was super eye-opening, really interesting. Um, I was able to talk to my grandmother about her life and her family and what it was like to grow up in Oregon. And as I got thinking about this, I was wondering how I could help others who might not have the means or the resources to use a typewriter and type out their entire life story and preserve life legacies for people like me, great-grandchildren, grandchildren, friends. Um, so that's how it all started. And my grandmother has since passed away, but um, it was oh, I'm sorry. the organization 
Yeah, the organization still continues in her name, and you know, we're, I'm trying to grow it as much as I can um, because I know it's impacted her in terms of you know what we were able to talk about and uh, the people I've worked with since then. Brittany, that's really interesting. So the the autobiographies that she gave, those were actually your grandparents who had written those stories? My great-grandparents wrote great those stories. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And they had, there was, there's only one copy in existence. And so it was really cool to see all those, you know, stories put down on paper. And that's kind of how I got got the idea of starting my life, my stories. Mm. Yeah, that's wonderful. And that's, you know, oftentimes when people come to me and say, I'm thinking about having my life story done, um, or if the adult children come, you know, there's on the storyteller's part, there's sometimes resistance because they think that, you know, who am I to have this done? And usually mm-hmm. all you have to say is, well, has anybody done this in your family before? Like, have do you have um, any written memoir or written account of somebody else? you know, earlier, an earlier generation in your family. And if they have it, then instantly they recognize the value that their story is going to have for coming generations. And if they don't, then usually they feel regret that they don't, you know, that they didn't, Mm -hmm. they never got to hear in their grandparents' own words or their parents' own words about their life. Because, you know, there's just so much change between, you know, from one generation to the next, especially these days. But but even in earlier generations, there was a lot of change. And so we... Well, I'm preaching to the choir here, but you know, there's so much that we don't know about the earlier generations, just even the way that they live their life. So it's such a boon when we when we discover something that's written. So I'm I'm happy that you got to that you have that in your family and that it was your inspiration. I think that's that's great, too. So, okay, you founded My Life, My Stories, and you decided to do that as a nonprofit organization. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you start off by telling us, first of all, what that looks like? So how how does it run? How do you find people who want Mm -hmm. to have their stories done? And tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a learning process. uh, But what I do is I partner with uh, organizations in the Bay Area, which is where I'm currently living. So independent living facilities, nursing homes, senior community centers, uh, Jewish community centers, uh, other nonprofit organizations that uh, help seniors in this area. And I basically pitch our program to these organi- these other companies or organizations. And if they're interested in learning more, I usually come in and meet with the program director or the activities director or an executive of the center that I'm, I'm speaking to. And if they're still interested in moving forward and, and making this known to their either residents or community members, I then go in and usually give a presentation at you know one of their weekly meetings or regularly scheduled meetings or another class. And I kind of like do a, a pitch over and over again to solicit interest and get the word out. And I do run into issues, like you mentioned, Amy, that, you know, people don't see the value sometimes in preserving their stories. So I kind of have to explain the importance of preserving life's legacy and and the process that we go through. And there's another element to our program, which I think is unique in that I help pair one volunteer with one senior. And those Mm. two people meet, um, Oh, regularly. So 
a relationship is formed with someone of a different generation, typically. And so you have that other person in your life who uh, may, and these seniors that I work with sometimes don't have anyone. And um, so that's an extra benefit to joining the program. And so I, I uh, have to basically do a sales pitch over and over again to, to recruit seniors and also on the other side, uh, recruit volunteers. So that's one of my other challenges I'm running into is getting the staff, uh, I guess you would call it, to, to uh, keep up with the demand of the number of seniors who are interested in doing this program because it is free. Um, and it's, we're trying to make that, the process of documenting their life as easy as possible. Mm. So when you say that you sit down and you have a meeting, you're meeting actually with like the administration at these? Yeah. Um, okay. And is it yeah. mostly, um, are the people that you're serving, are they mostly in assisted living or are these retirement residences? It's a mix. Um, I think it's a, I do a lot of uh, stories for people who are independent, uh, living on their own, but are members of a senior community center uh, because these people are already involved in the community. They go to classes about the arts, whether that's ceramics or singing or theater. So they're already pretty engaged and active. And they, these people are typically really interested in documenting their history. But on the flip side, I do want to focus a lot more on those uh, people who are in the nursing homes and independent or living facilities and low-income residence housing here in San Francisco who may not have family or don't have a lot of resources available to them to go to these classes. And um, that's where I really want to focus my efforts uh, moving forward is getting access to those underrepresented populations, like you mentioned, like low-income, minorities, immigrants, LGBTQ, and getting and people of different languages, which is something that's difficult, but to find uh, volunteers to speak a native English language like Russian, but somehow mm-hmm. I'm making it happen. So that's kind of the, the process. Back when I lived in St. Louis, still, I'm from St. Louis, and I live in Kansas City now, but um, I still, you know, my family is in St. Louis, and I have friends in St. Louis. And uh, one of my friends who I was in a writing group with, she she's a bit older, and for a time, she lived in this one building just outside of St. Louis in the suburbs, and it's a high-rise And for whatever reason, there were an awful lot of Russian and Chinese um, Mm -hmm. immigrants who lived there. So they were recent immigrants to St. Louis. And I just was trying to rack my brain. Like, how, you know, how many stories? Can you even imagine the stories that they must have to tell? But I I am a one-man outfit as far as the interviewing and the writing goes, so I didn't have the resources for that. But I think that's great that you have broadened your your scope and you're trying to actually serve those communities because Mm -hmm. oh my I mean for one thing it would be just fascinating to sit down and listen to them um I you know not to mention what a gift it would be for them to have their stories recorded okay exactly so when you say classes are they um are you going into these residential communities and you're you're teaching people how to write their own stories or or how does that all work and what what do you mean by classes oh yeah so um a lot of these community centers that are in San Francisco ha- offer classes um, around arts or, you know, sur- talking circles. And I don't participate in those. I just uh, come and visit because those are the people maybe that might be interested in our program. And I kind of get a little, give a little pitch 
sales talk in the beginning or at the end and um, are, am available to answer questions if people may be interested. But I do, I don't have writing classes now. It's something I maybe want to explore in the future because I know those are very popular. Um, so people can write their own memoirs. But I really want, I like to focus on the opportunity for volunteers and the seniors to get the benefit out of speaking to someone of a different generation. So that's where our, our focus is right now. Mm-hmm. And then when you do find a volunteer, you successfully pair up a volunteer with a storyteller. What does that look like for them? Yeah, so I meet with volunteers on a regular basis, just one-on-one, ask them about why they might be interested in and helping, what their um, level of commitment is. It is quite a big commitment because you are speaking to someone regularly. I mean, I don't put any parameters on it. I would prefer that it's weekly so you get through the process faster and it's not dragged on too long. But um, maybe it's every other week or a couple times a month uh, where they would meet with a senior. So I want to just definitely make sure that they're available to do that and able to commit. And then um, I ask whether or not they have a preference on male or female, what type of person they may be interested in. It's not a scientific process. but And then I also ask the senior if they have any preference or what type of person they want. And, you know, if they ha- speak another language, that they're, they have a native language that they prefer to speak in. I try to get a volunteer who also speaks that native language. So I have a little database growing. And that's probably the hardest part in terms of logistics and coordination is pairing the volunteer up with the right senior. Mm. And it's never, uh, it's never a per- like, sometimes not a perfect match. So it takes maybe a few times. But I typically meet with the senior and the volunteer the first time everyone's meeting. So I'm available to answer questions and kind of get things off the ground and be there as an extra person. And then how often do the volunteers usually meet with with the storyteller? And how long does the whole process take usually? And and what does the product look like at the end? Or what does the book look like at the end? Sure. So uh, volunteers meet with seniors anywhere from once a week to once every other week. And their sessions last maybe around an hour no more than two hours because I think there's a little bit of a fatigue on both ends of listening and speaking. I agree with Um, that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then I use the, the, every conversation is recorded. Those recordings are sent to me. I I keep track of everything. I use a professional um, transcription service and, uh, and I have other volunteers who maybe have more limited time availability who just help me edit uh, the conversations and the recordings into readable content. And then we take those edited manuscripts and documents and I use a self-publishing software called Blurb. I'm sure a lot of people have mm-hmm. heard of that or used it. And that's based in San Francisco. And uh, we use the trade book hardcover setting that they have and people have pictures we include those um but i know i listened to heirloom books uh, a few weeks ago and it's nothing compared to the amount of work uh, i think her name was don does but uh, we try to oh right don professional mm-hmm. yeah we try to create a professional very long-lasting book that they can be proud of we usually put a photo on the front cover or they can provide their own artwork um so it's really up to the senior how how detailed or creative they want the book to be. Mm-hmm. And how long are the books usually? 
Yeah, so they vary for sure. And a lot of seniors are definitely more talkative than others. <laughs> and I find that women are a lot more open about a lot more things in their life. So anywhere from a hundred pages is probably the ideal. Uh, we don't start from, you know, the day you were born to present day, and it varies from person to person what they want to talk about. Some people want to talk about, you know, their family and important milestones in their life. Other people um, want to talk about a specific time period in their life. We have a senior right now who's documenting her experience living in San Francisco during the 80s, uh, during the AIDS epidemic, and how mm. her involvement was. So she wanted to focus on that time period of her life. So um, you know, anywhere from 100, 150 pages is what we aim for. I know on your website, you have um, uh, your community partners that you're working mm-hmm. with. Is Are they making financial commitments to you? Or is this all a labor of love on your part? Because it sounds like especially if you're doing all of the editing, that has this has got to be a very big time commitment on your part. I currently don't ask for any financial contributions from our partners. It's something I may start to think about in the future because it is quite time consuming, which there is no formal price to your time, but I want to have a life. And I also, you know, to pay the bills, I I still work in advertising. So I have a full-time job on top of this. Oh my gosh, Brittany, you, you are Uh, a busy woman. (laughs) It's a lot, um, and but I thankfully have a lot of volunteers kind of helping with different parts of the process. The editing process does take the longest time, for sure, and I have, you know, anyone, I have a few um, English major students out of Utah who found my organization and have volunteered to help with the editing process, so it's like I have a b- bunch of people helping me uh, put this all together, but, you know, I do... Do you think in the future, maybe for certain, some of the populations that have a little bit more uh, financial stability to maybe offer a price? The, the cost of the book, so we put a cap on the number of books we give to people for free. So each senior can get three hardcover copies of their book for free. And any additional copy, they have to pay for out of pocket. Mm-hmm. So so who is, who's covering those costs? Because I'm sure Blurb's not giving the, them to you for free. No, and I've even asked them for a discount, and they haven't given it to me. Mm. But it's all through donations and fundraising uh, efforts on my end, private uh-huh. donations. I'm I'm starting to get a little bit of grant money to support the program, um, but I'm learning as I go. And you know, one of the things I'm I'm experiencing through applying for a lot of grants is that in the grant, uh, the person awarding the grant wants to see how your nonprofit or your program or project that you're asking funding for, uh, how that benefits the community. Mm -hmm. So right now, all of my stories are private, and I don't publish anything uh, to the public. So I'm starting to organize these open mic nights for the seniors that participate in the storytelling program to create their memoirs. Um, And I give them an opportunity to come to these open mic nights in San Francisco to share a story around the theme. I don't know if you've heard of the moth. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah, so it's a, a low-budget version of that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I am so impressed. So these are actually seniors who, who are getting up there and taking the mic. Yeah, so our, I haven't done it yet. Our first one is scheduled for early November, and I'm really excited. The theme is around uh, what brought you to San Francisco. 
So uh, through my experience talking to a bunch of these seniors in San Francisco, um, a lot, most of them, almost all of them, ha- are not from this area. They either are from a different country or a different part of the United States, and they all have different reasons of why San Francisco appealed to them. And I thought that was fascinating. And, you know, there are still a lot of really young transplants like myself who are not from the area either. And, you know, somehow, sometimes I found commonalities between what the seniors are saying brought them to San Francisco versus why I was brought to San Francisco. So I thought it was super interesting and I want to share that with others. So that's going to be our first one, open mic night. In, in early November, and I'm really excited about that. <laughs> I love the idea of, of having something explicitly for seniors where they're getting up and they're having the chance to tell their stories in public. And obviously, there's that secondary goal of getting grant money, because I've heard that too, that you have to show how it's going to benefit the, the community and not just a private individual. But you know, in my mm-hmm. mind, any of these stories that we're doing, it's on an individual basis, but it's it benefits so many people to have these stories told and just mm-hmm. to help kind of bridge the generations, not necessarily just within a family, but like you said, if it's based around a community, I think that's a wonderful service. Um, yeah. So, yeah, good for you. I'm, I'm very impressed with that. So you said that you, you're applying for, for grants, but you also get donations and you have fundraisers. Um, mm-hmm. Is that something that you do often? Is that something that you, it's just hit or miss? Or, or talk a little bit about that, how you, how you bring in the donations and what kind of fundraisers you use. Yeah, so I started with a large sum of money. Actually, my, a really good friend of mine shut down her nonprofit. So whatever she had in the bank, she gave to me. So that was a good starting point. (laughs) Um, And I most recently, about six months ago, I kind of ran low in the the funding department. So um, I made a a big effort around raising money uh, during Giving Tuesday, which is uh, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. You know, you have Black Friday or Black Friday, Monday. They're starting to do this thing, Giving Tuesday, um, where you it's a national movement to donate money to organizations. So we, we raise a lot of money there, um, raise a lot of money during the holiday season and Christmas time. Um, and then most recently we have like happy hour fundraisers and there's really not a lot of overhead that I need. A set of books can cost maybe around $200 and the transcription services are maybe about $200 or less per person. So, you know, the biggest resource that I'm lacking out is time um, and, and volunteer time. The, recruiting for that and getting more time is, is the hardest challenge, is the biggest challenge. Now, just in case any listeners are interested in volunteering, do they have to be local to the San Francisco area? No, absolutely. I'm One of my goals is to bring this program nationally. And I actually do have a few volunteers. One who's most uh, successful is in Utah. And she's a woman kind of doing the exact same thing I'm doing, but with just my materials and my name to make it more official. So my goal is to create chapters throughout the country where, you know, a, a person leading that area can manage the volunteer database and things like that. So slowly but surely, if people do want to help out, more than happy to give them what I have. I have, I'm starting to build this chapter kit, which includes, you know, sample books, uh, pamphlets and, and materials to help the pitching and sales process, um, contact information, 
So that's definitely something that I'd be interested in. And if anyone wants to reach out to me, I'm more than happy to talk to them. Okay, sure. great, right. Um, and we'll I'll include any contact information in the show notes too. Um, great. Okay, I just have to ask, have you ever started a uh, not-for-profit before? Because you sound like you, <laughs> you sound like you know all of the angles and all of the things, you know, like starting these new chapters and having a chapter kit. I, I you know, I'm, I'm impressed with that. Have you done this before in some other area? No, I haven't. It's a learning process. And, you know, I learn from my mistakes and I'm trying things out and I'm constantly asking for feedback. I probably need to formalize the feedback portion of it. I've, I've heard a few of your speakers on your program talk about surveys and things like that. So I'm always asking the volunteers and the authors to provide feedback on their experience working with us. And um, I asked the, you know, the grant fundees for their feedback on why I was rejected. And so I'm just constantly taking that and making updates and, you know, learning from others uh, by networking and, you know, people like you, I just discovered through the internet. And so it's just a constant learning process. Um, In advertising, I did work for a very short period of time on nonprofit clients. So I have a little bit of an understanding, but it's really been, you know, a grassroots learn and fail and learn and fail and uh, iterate as you go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And do you have any support team that's helping you with this? I mean, I know you said that you have some volunteers, but do you have Mm -hmm. anybody who's really, you know, helping you with the administrative side of it or uh, keeping track of the databases, that kind of thing? Not really. I have a board as uh, a nonprofit is required to have, you know, trying to get them more involved, but it is really a one man effort. I, have started to explore um, Salesforce as a potential way to organize my donor database and volunteer no, database. Is, is that an app, an online app, Salesforce? Um, it's a, I think it's a cloud-based system. I'm still learning about it, but a, mm-hmm. a lot of nonprofits, bigger nonprofits use it to manage their people databases and to keep track of actions and donors. And, and I know uh, for-profit companies uh, use it too for sale purposes. So learning about that system versus having a, a million different spreadsheets and constantly <laughs> trying to keep those up to date, which it, it is quite a task. So I, I don't, haven't perfected that process yet. Um, well, is, yeah. when, did you, when did you found uh, My Life, My Stories? It's been about a year and a half. Oh, okay. And, so you're, you're yeah. kind of, you're pretty much in the new stages still. Yeah, I'm sure you're learning a lot as you go along. If, if people do want to volunteer, especially people who are not in the San Francisco area, what kinds of tasks would they be expected um, or could they expect to help you with? Yeah, so uh, we need help editing transcriptions and organizing the content. I'm not, I don't pitch myself on our program as you know, helping seniors write a professional grade memoir. That is definitely a full-time job. And, you know, we we just want to document the stories. And there are some, there's a lot of editing that goes into the process of transcribing oral history into written history, as a lot of your listeners probably know. So there's a lot of editing that uh, that needs help with. And, um, you know, just getting access to more seniors. You know, I only have so many volunteers available in San Francisco. So, and there's senior homes all around the country. Mm-hmm. So growing this program is, I think, simple if we have the right, the, the number of people available. Mm-hmm. 
I just so appreciate the service. I mean, I know there's lots of um, hospice programs that use Uh volunteers to record people's stories. And there are veterans programs that do the same. But the fact that you're reaching out to low income people that you're reaching, you know, reaching out to people who are marginalized. I've often wondered, we have in Kansas City, there's quite a few homeless people, and I'm sure there's even more in San Francisco. And I'm thinking, you know, like, to be able to have a service where you can say, hey, if you're interested, we'll help you record your story. Mm -hmm. I wish that everybody had access to having their life story preserved. The fact that you're doing the open mic nights, I think is a wonderful service to the community. So you said that you have one starting um, in November. Is that at a public venue? Yeah, it's at a local bookstore who has regular like poetry open mic nights. So we're tacking on to the one of the the end of one of those. They graciously offered their space for free. So that's another cost saving factor of of doing something publicly. And um, right, I, and it's a way for for the seniors to to connect with any kind of person who's going to wander into mm-hmm. the bookstore. So, you know, exactly. that's another way of building those bridges. Um, I don't know if you've heard of StoryCorps, but I'm trying mm-hmm. to mimic a lot of the strategies that they have introduced and started. But they're they're the gold standard in terms of storytelling nonprofit world. So I, I pick up and I copy a lot of their there what they do very good well this is just interesting to hear about and i wish you all the luck going forward so you said that you wanted to have you know take this nationwide five years from now or you know even three years from now what do you see it looking like yeah so yeah i i really admire organizations like habitat for humanity or sierra club where they have self-standing and self-sufficient chapters that kind of make their make it their own, make the organization uniquely different uh, across the nation. And so, my goal is to over maybe a five or ten year span is to create the the foundation to allow people to really take ownership of bringing this to their community and to to build their community resources and build their volunteers. So it's kind of self standing. Uh, but I know that's a long ways away from now. So focusing on San Francisco and getting that off uh, off the ground is my main priority right now. And just learning and perfecting the process. Yeah, right. And I think the timing is the timing is ripe for something like this. There's just so much mm-hmm. interest in family history and personal history. And I'm also wondering, so the Life Story Coach podcast goes out to a lot of listeners who are working in the field, not as a volunteer, but actually earning a living doing this. So people who are possibly new to the field or just getting into the field, I can see how volunteering would be a great opportunity to learn more about it, to actually learn about the work and whether it's something that somebody really does want to do. So, you know, I, I definitely want people, listeners out there to consider whether they want to um, volunteer their time with you because it, it, you know, it could be just a win-win situation for a lot of people to just build up those skills. And just to go back to what you said, I I was kind of laughing. You were talking about how the transcripts are edited, but they're not typically what we would see in a finished book. But back when I first started the Story Scribe, one of my services, because I wanted to just cast the net very wide. So one of the services that I offered was lightly edited transcripts. And I am telling you, Brittany, I know how much you must be working because... (laughs) 
You could say it's lightly edited, but as soon as you start moving things around in a transcript, uh-huh. it's, there's nothing light labor about it. Even if you don't end up with something that is, you know, one fl- long flowing narrative that you would typically see in a book, it's still an awful lot of work. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I feel that's, for you. It's it's hard. It's a lot. That's the hardest part of I think the entire process is getting something that the author is happy with that makes sense is concise and people can follow easily readers can understand and you know you you the the authors want to be really proud of their work so i i try to do my best to make it as high quality as possible but there has to be yeah some tipping point where right yeah. Well, and to be honest, even if it were a for-profit project, there's there's a limit there too because mm-hmm. you know any any writer who's working on their own creative writing knows you can eternally tinker with something and improve it, but you have to come to a stopping point. Well, that's even more so when a client is paying you for what you're doing. You know, you have to come to a stopping mm-hmm. point, and so the projects are never going to be perfect. You just have to do absolutely the best that you can. So good for you. Well. Can you tell people where they can reach you if they want to volunteer for you or if they want to maybe start a chapter in their own community? Yeah, so you can check out my website at mylifemystories.org and all my contact information is there or you can email me at Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y at mylifemystories.org. Okay. And I'm I try to respond ASAP because you know the more the more people on board the the wider we can cast our net and help others. Great, great. Well, thank you for sharing all of this today, and um, good luck going in the future. I it sounds like you are on the right path. So it's it sounds like you have really found what you need to be doing. Thanks, Amy. Really appreciate it. All right. Well, take care, Brittany. Bye bye. And that does it for our interview with Brittany Bear of My Life, My Stories. To see links to the things that we were talking about and to find Brittany's website, head over to thelifestorycoach.com and look for episode thirty five. Thanks for listening, and until next time, go out and save someone's story.